Watch this. Hello and welcome back to another episode, the final episode of these daily podcasts live from Royal Liverpool. I am Tom Mills. Today I'm joined by Sam Williams. Thomas, great to be here. I mean, <laughs> Even I though it does sound like the building we're currently sat in sounds like it's going to explode. It's absolutely I don't know whether all of a sudden the wind has just come because it was so quiet on those last few holes with the wind. And it's like now it's buffeting around all over the place. Yeah, it's 7.30 here. We've, just, we've literally just walked out of the press conference with Brian Harmon. Um, so we're about an hour after, after, hour after he's finished, really. Um, what a week. But before we start and dissect everything that's kind of happened, we haven't really done a dissection podcast this, this, this week at all. We've been doing these ancillary podcasts. But before we Word. start, thank you, with dissection, a few thank yous few thank yous. Well, I mean, Thomas, I'll kick us off with the first one. Um, big thank you to Peter Millar. Mm. They've Pe- kitted us out royally this week. Crown-crafted polos. I don't know about you, the little, uh, the little quarter zip we did for, uh, for the spring meeting. That's held me in good stead. You've been on the popover pullover. A few of those quarter zips knocking around the course we've seen as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which exactly. was nice. Bumped into a few friends. Um, yeah, just just big thank you, I guess, to Peter Millar for sorting us out with the merchandise. Minor sort of tangential point. It's been great to see some cookie jar merchandise floating around in the crowds. Mm. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like we saw a few of those core zips. We saw a few hats. A few year-on-year year percentage hats. increase is enormous. Yeah, yeah. considering there was nothing in St Andrews. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's an infinite percentage increase. Um, but no, huge thank you to Peter Millar for for everything they've done and those guys over there and supporting us to get up here this week second thank you has to go to Footjoy not only for um, the, the collaboration that we did with them for the shoe for this open uh, that we've been dealing with for you know a good few months now that we started that going yeah, on they've done a great job on that very very late notice we had to call in a favour for the Footjoy campsite and they uh, hooked and us up good and proper didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and what a cool vibe like I didn't realise the campsite that they put in there like that's just such a great initiative I think if you're under the age of 25 it's free I think it's free if you've got a ticket showering there's facilities bar every night there's stuff on with yeah, live music like you know I think it's so easy in that food. environment if you're setting something like that up it just becomes an extension of a shoe shop and it's like no really cool Great, no, no, great no, no. Like, work. I think it's a, just a really cool vibe and hang, and it's like, oh yeah, Footjoy, we've just done that. It's not a shoe thing. It's just no, like a. I, I was chatting to Tom, who manages the uh, the campsite, and um, really interesting bloke. And he was talking, you know, like how they set up the street food stuff there. They had like five or six street street food stalls, and then they had the live music every night. And the place was like, it's full of kids playing football, and there mm. was just loads going on and there's families and it's well, probably like one of those things about the like open. if I wanted yeah. to go watch the open and I wanted to try and get it past my wife and kids I was like hey you can come along it's fine you know and it it did well, feel I'd love like to take, take you know my son there you know and like family like you could do it. it's a proper it's a really nice little hangout isn't it so yeah and the cheapest beers in Hoylake well that's and that's literally written into it isn't it <laughs> yeah. they will always have the, <laughs> the cheapest, cheapest beers, beers in that Hoylake, does not yeah. mean they're free because beers are expensive here yeah. as we know um, third thank you CDP and Sounder Everyone knows we're good friends with these guys. Cool bunch. The Sounder 
CDP courtyard this week has been electric. Um, Rosé, gin and tonics and beers in the evening and the company has been absolutely outstanding. Getting to sort of spend time with Mike Derees, Mike Clayton, Jeff Shackelford, Frank Pond. the guys, Frank Pond, you know, Sam Cooper, people like that. It's just a, There's a some VIPs turned up too. Cookie Jar were there. <laughs> I was thinking more along the, the lines of David, but yeah. Yeah, like David Meacher, like the uh, you know, organizer behind the whole, whole tournament committee for the RNA. But yeah, it's just been nice, nice hanging out with those guys. It's always an absolute pleasure. Um, Fourth, thank you. Um, Royal Liverpool Golf Club. So, although they didn't really have a say in whether we were here or not, <laughs> we made it here. And, and I think they knew we were coming. And luckily, we managed to. We had breakfast with the captain and lady captain and, you know, had a walk through and some of those bits you've seen before, like we've done a lot of work in, with Royal Liverpool before and seen how the John Ball medals and seen Tigers 2-iron. The one thing about Royal Liverpool is that their history is so rich for the, for the want of a better word. And I know that that's probably overused, the rich history, but their history is so deep and so rich that there's loads of stuff I hadn't seen, I didn't know about, like the wand and yeah, yeah. and the telescope and all these things that I'd not seen before and and by extension of that I would say the members and the pride like I think you know I don't think we're going to be having an open championship come to Blackwell but I can only imagine the sense of pride mm. I would feel having the open championship at Blackwell and seeing everyone come and it doesn't feel like this like stuffy private thing where it's like that's the members bit and the members are shuffling around and you know everyone else is getting in their way every Royal Liverpool member and you know know a few of the guys we've become quite friendly with a lot of people at the club over the last few years they're just beaming from ear to ear and it's really nice to see so many people so proud of of their their golf club and just wanting to show it off it's just a treat I genuinely think this building's about to fall down it's absolutely I wonder if they started dismantling we'll get into it but not only were they were they obviously so clearly proud of their wonderful golf Mm. club the condition the course was in um, and Matty Jordan, you know they had so much to be proud of this week mm. with the whole club. And we'll get into the, the Jordan a massive bit. Success and I think it? I think the, the, we'll get into the condition um, and obviously condition the RNA within that. You know everything they do um, and 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 putting on a great championship and working well with 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 the club. Final thank you as a great segue into the most anticipated giveaway Cookie Jar has ever done. Without doubt, it is the only giveaway we've ever done. It's not technically. We did some giveaways of four balls with a series in Scotland three uh, years yeah. ago. Actually, so it's the first physical giveaway we've done. Exactly for the greatest tour bag um, in issue. So this week. I don't think we've ever been explicitly clear on what it is we're giving away. So we are giving away a tailor-made staff bag, as used by. <laughs> hang on, hang on, Tommy lad. This is why. <laughs> We're so bad at this. We are giving away a tailor-made limited edition 151st Open Championship tour bag. As Yellow and blue. Tommy Lad. As used by Tommy Lad, um, Rory McIlroy, you name it. Scotty Scheffler, all those guys. Um, now, we are giving that out to the person that emails us on contact at cookiejargolf.com with the three previous amateur winners of the Claret Jug. However... I cannot stress this enough. Please go and make sure you are signed up to our newsletter. We have been writing blogs and articles all of this week, which are available online. Go and check some of that stuff out. See whether it's aged like milk. 
Leave your email address in there. Now, Thomas, without further ado. I'm going to... I'm going to just address you on your etiquette because it's so windy and horrible in here now. You're going to have to get teeth on micro. Okay. we need to get rid of this, this ambience. Teeth so on mic. Really teeth on mic. So um, we're going to roll into, we just came out of the press conference with, with Brian Harmon. Um, I asked a question, wasn't that interested. Someone else asked a question, was more interesting. And he said something really interesting. He said that he kind of, was a quavering, a bit unsure whether he could do it. And as he was walking down a fairway, a fan said, Harmon, you haven't got the stones for this. This was after he bogeyed two holes in round three. And then he commented on saying, do you know what? I'll show you. Pretty much words to that fact is, okay, let's go. Which I thought was fascinating. Yeah, so I, I, the second he said that, the penny just drops, doesn't it? I can't... You know, it's gonna, it's gonna. St- he's like a fighter. He's a gritty golfer. He'll dig it out. He's a, you know, he just looks like a scrapper. You know, on the golf course, mm. he's just, he's that type of player. And when you walk past somebody in the crowd who just says, "You haven't got the stones for this, mate," I'm not at all surprised that he just digs in and finds another gear. And you know, I, I even said it, didn't I, when we did a podcast earlier this week, and said Brian Harmon will go down as one of the worst Open Championship winners in 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 the modern era as you, like, as yeah you, okay as you, have you changed that view is he my favourite open champion absolutely not but does he deserve it of winning it posting a score six clear of the rest of the field yeah of course he is it just wasn't a very interesting final round or enjoyable last day of the event That's, I think, I think you, the, but you've got to separate those two things and I think the problem was that there was so much interest in Rory there was so much interest in Tommy Fleetwood doing well in a in a, an area that's somewhat close to where he's from probably well it would, it's definitely as close as open is it or probably Lither might be closer but Bergdahl. certainly really bloody close yeah Bergdahl's right next door certainly bloody close to where he's born then you had and then you had Matty Jordan. So there's all these stories, co- you know, coming through and these lines coming through that Brian Harmon having a six-stroke lead and it ba- basically being an uncompetitive final two days of the Open. Nobody wants that. No, not because it's Brian Harmon, but if it's anybody being six strokes clear and just not getting anywhere near to, to the field, is like... Well, there's yeah, 14 no names that. on a leaderboard that we're, look, we're looking at right now. And I'm just going to tell you straight away, there's like two or three people that we would be sitting here going, perfect, you couldn't have written it any better. And the fact of the matter is, golf is not, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not looking for storylines. It's looking for who puts the ball in the hole in the best way. And there's no doubt about it. Brian Harmon was pure class. I thought, uh, I thought Saturday and Sunday, the, ch- the chance of, of wobbling was there. But we didn't really see any sort of like crazy high scores from the sort of leading pack that much. Maybe Christo Lamprex, whatever. But he just got it back on rails. He putted the lights out. Like he was putting yeah. out of his mind. For those people who don't know, the, the winners of the Open at Royal Liverpool gen- generally have a club that's donated to the cabinet. And it's Tiger's 2 iron. It's Rory's Wedge from 2014. I've got no doubt that the club that's going to end Brian up Harman's in that cabinet. Bow and Arrow. Is Brian Harmon's <laughs> might as well be a bow and arrow. It went dead straight. His putter. I mean, it it is a grotesque looking putter. Yeah. But he rolled the rock. It was that was one of the the best putting performances. I don't know whether it's because Royal Liverpool's got 
it hasn't got a huge amount of borrow. Like they're they're relatively flat greens. Extremely can, flat. If you can commit to a line and get the ball rolling on it, you know you're going to put well around here. And he must have hold some serious footage. The greens the last at Hoylake are incredibly flat. And going into that, we knew that people were going to get the putter going. And even even today, you see a lot of people missing on the high side. You know, a lot of putts staying out there because you start trying to overread these things. And you know, he he just he just putted superbly from minute one. Um, got on with the task. You know, was he the fans' favourite? Absolutely not. Was it a fairly boring final round? A hundred percent. Does he deserve to win the Claret Jog? Absolutely, no doubt. Um, that was one of the most. Majestic last thirty-six holes, I'd say. Like from being that much ahead, five strokes ahead with thirty-six to go, he there was ample opportunity to fold, and he never, ever looked like like going down. And to go in round three and round four to go two over early doors, like this round four, the final round today, that driving it into the gorse on five, taking a drop, take getting a bogey on the easiest hole in the golf course, and then. Sixth has been absolutely nails all week, and to to jam it in there and get a birdie it was just well. Fourteen's playing the hardest hole on the course, yeah, you know, and he he, he, he just played, he, he played that so right, like yeah. he he drove he's he, one he, under for the week. He played fourteen today, about twenty five foot left of the pin. That pin was such a sucker pin on the right, and he mm. played it twenty five foot left. I was like, I don't, you know, the benefits of being so far on the lead, I suppose plays at 25 foot left just thinks oh i'm just gonna lag it down and get my my par if it goes in great it went in he absolutely rolled it and it's just it was it was great it golf was it was great golf it was frustrating the for the highest, viewer highest order well, you want drama you want theater you want it to come down to the last shot the fact of the matter is he just did too good a job of getting the golf ball in the hole to make that happen i think we should talk about a few notable mentions Thing there's a, I think it's really worth us talking about Matty Jordan and his performance. I'd really like to talk about um, the winner of the Tooting Beck. Hmm. I knew yeah. nothing about the Tooting Beck until this morning listening to the, your podcast with Bill, Bill Longmuir. Knew nothing of it. No. Who is the winner of the Tooting Beck trophy? Well, Tooting I Beck know Cup. that our listeners are particularly keen to know, and I almost feel like I feel like we should keep it hanging till the end of the pod, but. Let's yeah, we should, we should, we so should. So what we? is the tooting back? For those of you who didn't get through Bill Longmuir's, please, please go back. I mean, it's not open-related, so it will... It will it's well, open-related, open related, it's just but not... It's, it's yeah. not related to the scores of the day or anything. It's Bill Longmuir's played in 10 Opens and, and led an Open in 1979, so we... You foxed him with it on the pod. Yeah, so I did do my research for the pod. I'd, I'd looked at you know, Bill's achievements and... We, I met Bill a few times. He's played at Blackwell before, and and has been working with CDP for quite some time. So I've met Bill a few times before, and just did a bit of research for the pod. And you look up, and he's he's played well in 1979. He's won the the 76 Nigerian Open or whatever it was, and he did well in 1984 at St Andrews. Interestingly, when um, we finished the pod, because I didn't want it to be too long, uh, he said oh, I wanted to get onto the 84. Um, the 84 Open because in the 84 Open he led after round one joint led after round one and he'd give a little nugget early in the pod which was uh, he was told to on the road hole just drive it over and play it to the front right edge and try and two put up from there 
and he was leading after 30 he was still leading after 34 holes and then took a triple on the road hole trying <laughs> to do <laughs> trying to follow that advice uh, and he's like oh, I got it but I said I said Bill we'll have to get you back on mate because it was um it was so much more we could have done. The Tooting Beck Trophy and it transpired. I've never back, heard of it. Yeah, so the Tooting Beck was the, yeah. the, the player, the British and Irish player who shoots the lowest round at that particular Open. Mental. And he won it in 97. It's actually a thing. Like it's, yeah. actually a, it's like a proper thing. It's not some stupid thing we've cooked up. It's not some farcical sponsored thing. Like this is a thing that goes back to 1924. It's the first ever winner of the year is Ernest Whitcomb, who won the. Uh, First ever Tooting Beck Trophy. Is that um, right? What in the Tooting Beck Tournament, or was that at the Open? 1924. No, no, no. So the Tooting Beck Tournament goes way further back than that. That was the first time it was done at the Open. At the Open. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I've been outdone on knowledge. No, no, no. So the Tooting Beck Tournament was in Tooting Beck prior to that, and they decided to stop doing that tournament and then delete. Let's talk about the big hitting items. Yeah, okay. This morning we looked at course setup. The course has lengthened day on day. There's been an absolute deluge which has softened the course, so it's playing way longer day on day. I I kind of felt like the RNA had done what it could within the setup to make to make it a more advantageous course for the bigger hitter. Does that mean that it was trying to compress the leaderboard? I don't know. And if so, should I, should I the disagree. tournament committee I, do I that? I disagree a little bit. Um, I was I was filming like I've been doing every day um, with the Greenkeepers and I was up with, with James Bledge at half three this morning and we were out walking the what must have been we walked the eighth green at half three in the morning because when I woke up and did my normal thing which is stick my head into his office at sort of 3.30 he was fully kitted up in his wet weather gear and he, was, he looked quite panicked because they the rain, I think it's Rainbird. Well, Rainbird might be the irrigation system. But he's got uh, a water, a rain sensor, which tells him how much rain they've had. And overnight, they'd have the best part, 15 mil of rain, which is a lot of rain. And he was a, he wanted to check whether there was standing water on the greens, whether they need to get the squeegee out. You know, it was that much rain had fallen overnight. And we came in, and then we look at, we look at the the stats for the for the course for the day and it they put it stretched it out to seven thousand three hundred and eighty something mm. so they put it the longest it's been all week i don't think that is advantageous for the longer hitter because what it did i mean and perhaps you can't shorten the, the pins were definitely much. more I, yes, generous i'd agree with that i think they definitely made the pins more generous we actually did a bit of statistics on this and on day yeah, one was it five, average is 5.6 paces yeah off from the, the side and now it's like 8.3 or something so they basically increased the distance from the edge from day round one to round four by by 50 percent so they've really brought centralized the pins hmm. which enables if you th- think of it like this if they tuck the pins brian Harmon could have hit the middle of every green and two part but it would have then disadvantage the people that went pin seeking so by centralizing the pins you allow people to go hunting yeah so they and it was soft so they could have but the problem was the fairways were soft and the and all the holes that you needed to really take advantage of like the par fives one played 620 that hole was the longest hole in open history today you just couldn't get on the green no they were just way back way back but even holes like one it was a 456-yard par four. And I thought, like, 
I think one of the, you know, we were really getting dialed in on looking at it was when Rory teed off. And he had like 209 in. I was like, what's going on here? Has he roofed the drive or something? That hole was playing exceptionally long. There was a lot of holes that were playing long. You know, the fives are becoming, you know, certainly 15 and 18 were, were absolute legitimate three-shot three, three shot golf holes. Um, and I, I think there's some truth in that. It actually stretched it to a point where, yeah, maybe the scoring average drifts up slightly. I haven't checked that. Um, but did it, did it compress the leaderboard? It certainly didn't seem to, did it, in terms of the way it played? Um, interesting footnote whilst we're talking about golf holes and scoring. Despite all the discussion around 17, it did not play the hardest golf hole of the week. It did not play the hardest par three of the week. Thomas, what are we learning from that? In- illuminate me. 17 was Australian when it came in with so much hype, so much chat about this brutal par three that only plays 136 yards. And no doubt it is a brutal par three for a mid-handicapper or for if the wind got up it would have been brutal but the reality was I don't think the wind got much above sort of 12-15 miles an hour all week and these are the best players in the world so the majority of the people hit the green and when they were in the the bunkers it's not like watching an amateur hack out from one bunker to another they just knocked it on the green the and they took their medicine. Yeah. yeah. You the just probably people, weren't going to get up and down very like easily. Today in round four, you had Tommy Ladd that, that, you know, got punished, took a triple. I think, did he take triple in the end? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that was Matt Fitzpatrick in round three. Yeah. And in round two, sorry, because he, he was about to make the cut. It had a few victims, but all, all golf holes have victims, you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, I... I I think what's happened with Little Eye, if I speak perfectly honestly, is that it's a difficult hole for amateur golfers. And there was concern that it was going to be difficult for pros. But the reality was it, how, how it played out was it wasn't that difficult for pros. The proportionate increase in difficulty in that hole from being reversed and completely rebuilt it is not proportionally harder for the best players in the world because they still are quite good at hitting the green from 130 yards. Yeah. That's the fact of the matter. Six felt like one where, you know, played, played the course a little bit. You miss the green on six or, you know, four as it is for the, um, for the members routing. And you kind of chastise yourself. But then when you sit there and watch tons of the best players in the world repeatedly missing that green... You're like, okay, this is actually not a very easy par three, considering you're playing it from pretty much similar distance a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's interesting how the different holes translate. I mean, not surprisingly, the three par three, par, par fives are the easiest holes. The ninth played as the easiest hole outside of the par fives, which I thought was quite interesting. Well, if I give you some, some, some stats, like the old Tom would have done. Oh, it used to be a stato, do you remember? Mm. Um, the sixth was the seventh hardest golf hole today. Today? Yeah, the, the sixth was the seventh hardest golf course hole today. And Little Eye um, was the 11th. So, 
it's there was you know what's that make it eighth easiest goal yeah, 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 so played a smidge 3.09 you know like yeah, 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 exactly. hardly anything over par and um, you're right like amateur golfers we would chastise ourselves for for you know not hitting the green on the sixth the difference is like is just their ability to get up and down from pretty much everywhere yeah yeah exactly I, I think essentially the storyline that we were a lot of people were talking about going into this was it is a non-event I think so yeah I think the 17th was you know the way they put the stands up they were expecting the drama it was a fairly fairly drama free affair in the end interestingly of, interestingly yeah. the, the third hole pretty much played most difficult through the week which is the members first which is great because you speak to the members and they always talk to you about how rock hard the first hole is and they're like yeah first hole like solid but the first in the first in the open routing was the second hardest golf hole so the, mm -hmm. the hardest hole all week this week was the first hole that they played the third the members first was the third hardest I mean mental isn't it absolutely mental yeah um, I mean you know there's a couple of good bits of articles I mean 18 in particular I thought you know there's a nice little piece there dissecting the, the merits and the difficulty of that, that golf hole but um, yeah you start looking at holes with the out of bounds and the, the power of the out of bounds as a deterrent to the players that is what creates the difficulty of that golf hole and and it shows in the scoring. That's why it's so brutally difficult. They, they, they played it with such respect. Um, Should we go with Matty Jordan? Matty Jordan next. So, Matty's obviously... The best bit about the Matty Jordan story is, like, it's not this, this top ten player in the world that's out of Hoylake that, you know, was expected to come in and do well. He was outside until about a month prior to the Open. He wasn't playing in the Open. You know, he was outside of qualification he qualified through through final qualifying at West Lanks um, you know came second in that Matt, Matt Wallace winning that at West Lanks and then coming here and then getting the honour of the opening tee shot which must have been what a thrill because we were there when he teed off and he had a great group Richie Ramsey you know we've been banging on about Richie Ramsey all week but he had a great group and following him for those you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't get a spot in the crowd in that first round. Like, there's so many people going around with him. And through everything that he went through, and he, you know, doubling 17 on round three and then bogeying 17 today, that birdie down 18 today, clutch he must stuff. have known how clutch that was. Because that, at the time, it was to go into 11th. I think that locks up a lot of stuff for him. I might be wrong on that. I it think that locks it certainly locks up. An invite to next year's open top 10 and qualify top 10 and ties which he's done now um because of tommy fleetwood's um triple hmm. on 17 which basically brought matty jordan into 10th so huge huge congratulations and to to, to matty jordan it's a whole it's a lot of pressure to have on your shoulders for a whole week he looks and like he's thrived in it though yeah yeah and just loved it and and delivered really good golf and yeah it's just been that's been a great storyline for the week. I think so. Certainly walking around, everyone's been interested. Everyone's asking the question, how is he doing? And that birdie on 18 was just genuinely sensational today. Can we talk about Rory? Because we feel like we should always talk about Rory and he dominates the headlines. And therefore, for somebody who hasn't really think. featured in it, a quick glance at his stats, he's driven the ball badly this week. 
Yeah, I, I don't think there's a huge amount to discuss with Rory. Like, if he wasn't Rory McIlroy, I don't think we'd be talking about him this week. That's I mean, a fair take. He, you know, is it a curse winning the Scottish before you go into this? Don't know. He came Sometimes in. been seen as a very good precursor, actually. Yeah, I just don't know. He just, he just seemed, for some reason, like he just couldn't get the ball in the hole today. Like, and like you said, he's not driven very well, but he certainly didn't putt fantastically either. I mean, a couple of headline stats: Roy hit fifty percent of fairways in round two and three. He hit twenty-eight point six fairways. He hit four fairways today. Yeah, that's well, not going to get it done, is it? And he and he's yeah, he's like scored pretty well. To be fair, like his, his when, par, when he came through like four holes, we were like, how on earth is he three under par? His par, his par down two, was genuinely, the par two or was a birdie. I think it was par two. It was genuinely outrageous. Yeah, like because I think because they put that fabric over the 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 fencing that they place around the course to keep people in or out, whichever way you look at it that fabric had kept the ball in bounds. Then he ends up on a, a concrete pass. It gets relief, drop, knocks it. I mean, it would have been OB for a member. I mean, no member can hit that far, but it would have yeah. been OB without doubt. He shot 68, and I think he squeezed three or four out of that that weren't there. Um, you know, it wasn't a great ball striking weight for him. It must be... I don't... It, you know, it's back to that Brian Harmon thing, though, isn't it? When you're told you can't do something, it wills you on to do it. When you've got pretty much the entire golfing world telling you that you are going to go and win the Open Championship at Royal Liverpool, that sense of expectation, it must be... I mean, it's like a blessing and a curse. The guy has so much support, but he has so much expectation placed upon him that it's really bloody hard for him. Mm. Um, I mean... I think basically it's a just lot of the names you could go through a lot of those names though you know Cameron Young didn't really bring much to the party did he in terms of like real firepower John Rahm went on a great charge yesterday didn't quite follow it up today yeah there's been some great sort of like last minute sort of shouts with Stracker Kim you know really good sort of performances but tell me what do you think about Tommy lad <laughs> because Tommy's got a history of like kind of doing well in final rounds and like making good charges. He's never, he doesn't, in, in the majors, he hasn't got up the leaderboard early. And certainly like was it final group in, on round three. Um, how disheartened do you think he'll be being in final group in round three and just not being able to kick on three and four? And it's propped up on one very, very good round of golf his, his week here today. I don't know. <coughs> I'm not sure I know enough about specifics about how Tommy hits the ball. The thing is, he's kind of got a bit of that Rory factor for me as well. He's an extremely amiable chap. Yeah. So he's got a huge amount of support. He's playing in his home country. And he goes out and shoots 66 in the first day. I'm just going to put some expectation on those shoulders for you because you know, you're one of the best players in the world and you're in, you're in good form. But um, for one reason or another, it was, a, it, you know, it was night and day with Harmon and the rest of the crowd yeah. that were playing this week. You take away, you take away Harmon, you've got a bunch of players within two shots. Like yeah. he's, just gone, he's just gone so much lower than everyone else and for that I think that was the reason the people didn't like him I think it's the people that weren't go- like rooting for him I think I think it's the reason that 
the open kind of felt a little bit flat because he'd won it after two rounds. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but you take him away and it's a super tight leaderboard. <coughs> yeah. I mean, his putting stats are unbelievable. Um, and that's what it comes down to. Thomas, I feel like it's a short recap pod. Short and sharp. Um, got places to be. Got, got homes to go There's some to. extremely exciting stuff in the works, which we should flag. Another extremely good reason to be signed up to our newsletter. Are we going to answer two things back through, through the we newsletter? We will do in a second. Through the newsletter. <laughs> we will be announcing uh, some events up over the Walker Cup in September. They will be coming out imminently. I feel like I've said that a dozen times, but I've actually seen them and they're done now. So they're going to be coming out. Um, we've got an event on Saturday night and we've got a golf day on the Monday straight afterwards in St. Andrews. If you're not signed up on that newsletter, you're not going to see it. So you, you please make sure you're on there if you're planning on going to the Walker Cup. We're going to have some other events that are going to be coming out fairly soon. Really cool one I'm quite excited about down near London. Um, but all the events will come through through our newsletter. Um, any, th- any parting yeah parting I'd thoughts final, I'd say a final thank you um, must go to you guys who listen and read and watch um, it's been really nice this week we've put out a lot of stuff lots of articles lots of podcasts With the f- we had the films that came out prior to the open they've been received fantastically well you've been reading the articles which has been nice and you're <laughs> going to be releasing a film about the green keepers of the open and so that will be out when it's out <laughs> <laughs> you've been up at 3am filming every day and I can't get you to commit to releasing that at 7 o'clock tomorrow night Thomas that is absolutely unacceptable um, finally the Tooting Beck winner you all have been dying to know I know the Tooting, tooting Beck, Beck winner. winner of 2023 I can't believe it's not announced by, by Martin Slumbers it should be up there the, the Tooting Beck winner of 2023, the winner of the silver replica scorecard, scorecard <laughs> and the medal goes to Alex Fitzpatrick. 65, 65 on Saturday. In round three. And there you go. Thomas, so, adios. Adios. Watch this.